everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies and we like to bring each other into our interest via the latest news in both books and sports. And this is this week's sports episode. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> I like I'm... hockey, but like everything else. I, I feel like when we have been doing like our mending of the minds, we're, our new format that we're going to try in the next season will make everybody's life so much better. And easier. Yeah. And less annoying. So. I'm looking at you, MLB website. <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> Starting off with the best sport, let's talk about hockey this week. All right. For COVID updates, I have that the NHL announced on Friday, March 19th, that as a result of four additional Boston Brewers players entering the NHL's COVID protocols earlier in the day, the team's games for Saturday against Buffalo Sabres and Tuesday versus New York Islanders will both be postponed. Seems like it's being handled pretty well in the NHL and it's just like a team every now and again is just being postponed. So it's better than... Some of the situations where, like, the NBA was at the beginning of the season where they didn't know how to control it. It was just like a wildfire. Well, I feel like the NHL is also handling it better than we were at the beginning of the season. I just, like I've been saying, I would rather they have gone into bubbles than doing this system. But I know it's a lot harder to put 31 teams in a bubble versus almost 31 teams into a bubble. Like with the playoffs. But pending test results in the coming days, it is expected that the Bruins will be able to reopen their facilities for practice probably on Wednesday, March 24th. But again, it depends on how everyone's tests shake out over the next couple days. Yeah. And the funny thing is, that's not even the craziest COVID story this week. For the NHL or in general? For the NHL. Oh, God, in general, there's all sorts of great ones. Oh, what's the other one for this week? Uh, The big one this week was the head coaches for the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. Every single coaching staff member that would normally be behind the bench was on COVID-19 protocol. And well, they, not like they need them. It's funny because there's a lot of Rangers fans who are like, maybe we should just fire all the coaches and we'd be fine. I'm not saying that, but like clearly they weren't necessary for that game. Well, they, they brought in coaches. So they, like, they had an assistant GM on the bench. They had uh, their AHL head coach. Right coaching maybe you should promote that guy at at least at a minimum one would think because clearly some things went right and it's not like they were playing a bad team they were playing one of the league leading teams the flyers so it's amazing that they did what they did with the 9-0 victory you say nice things about the flyers is that necessary this is my podcast they lost nine to zero i'm not saying good things (laughs) like but you're saying like they're top of the blah 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 like no I hate them. But they are. It's the situation we're in, but... I don't care if it's true. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) That was the craziest COVID story, but it also made me the happiest. Because like I said, the Flyers lost by a lot. It's definitely not the last COVID story in the NHL. There was a slight release of information from them as well related to COVID. Originally, there was expected delays on the NHL draft for this year. It wasn't going to happen in July. Um, The NHL came out and said, whoa, 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 hold your horses. We're definitely holding it in July. It might be a little later in the month, but we're still holding the draft in July. Yeah. I guess we can all panic in July, like planned for the expansion draft and the actual draft. But now it's further away from my birthday, so maybe I can actually enjoy it this year. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. We'll see what date they actually pin down. Well, I think we talked about it last week. They were saying in the 20s, like the 23rd and the 24th or the 24th and the 25th. Right. 
23rd and the 24th. I had it correct. Nailed it. But I guess the real bad news for the NHL is not about COVID this week. It's everyone got hurt. Almost everyone got hurt in the NHL. I'm glad you have it because I didn't really write about any injuries. I have a few, but like... I have seven. I have six, so I guess we're not that far (laughs) off. Well, I'm sure some of these overlap. The first one I wrote about is the one that hurts me. So, of course, I put that first. Right. You have Agenny Malkin, who is now week to week for the Pittsburgh Penguins due to a lower body injury. He was hit by a Boston Bruins defenseman, Jared Tenorti, mm-hmm. during the game on Tuesday. So, we'll see what ends up happening with that. But, honestly, we always have people out with injuries. I've never been a Pittsburgh Penguins fan in a time where you don't have multiple players out at a time. Yeah. And that's where the depth comes in, like I always talk about. It wasn't the only incident that Tenorti was related to last week with your team. Tanev also caught a suspension for hitting him back after the Malkin hit. So, yeah, Tenorti and and your Penguins, just, they don't like each other. And we both wear black and yellow. I don't see what the problem is. Why can't we just be friends? Yeah. And then... You're going to probably think I'm saying this last name incorrectly, but I'm going to think I'm saying it right because <laughs> right. in French, this is how you pr- would pronounce it. So Joey Dacour. It's is, wrong because he's not French, but yeah. <laughs> I told you it would be wrong, but I said it anyway. I'm proud of you for trying. He is likely out for the season for the Ottawa Senators due to a lower body injury. He seemed to injure his left leg and was helped off the ice during the third period of the game against Vancouver on Wednesday. Yeah, and it just continues to make Ottawa's goalie situation worse because they've been plagued with injuries this season. So, Well, you had Matt Murray who sustained an upper body injury during warm-ups and did not play for the team on Sunday. Right. So they're just having a bad time. Yep. Then you had Tanner Pearson, who is going to be out for at least four weeks for the Vancouver Canucks with a lower body injury. He left during the third period and did not play in overtime when the Canucks defeated the Senators on Wednesday. You had Anders Lee, who will be out for the rest of the season and has to have ACL surgery this week, according to New York Islanders president and GM Lou Lamorello. Lamorello? Maybe. Yeah, not maybe, but yes. <laughs> You had Mackenzie Blackwood, who was scratched from a scheduled start for New Jersey on Thursday due to an upper body injury. He had participated in warm-ups prior to the game, but then didn't play. So I don't know if he was already dealing with something and then in warm-ups realized I can't play this game or what happened. Yeah, he probably had like some tightness or something like that. And you had Nico Heischer who is expected to be out three weeks for the New Jersey Devils after having surgery on Monday to repair a frontal sinus fracture. He's the one that got the puck to the face. Mm -hmm. And that happened against the Caps on February 27th. So he's finally having surgery for that. Or had surgery for that. I feel like we talked about this. We haven't to talk about the injury but we didn't talk about the fact that he had surgery and like the timeline for that because they didn't know at the time yeah i have a few more injuries go ahead we've covered the ones that you've got uh we also had st louis blues oscar sunquist he's gonna be out for the remainder of the season with a torn acl in his left knee he'll be undergoing surgery for that this upcoming week also uh, ex-penguin player rangers defenseman jack johnson will be out the remainder of the season to have a surgery to repair a core muscle so abdomen range, core area, muscle. Obliques, external yeah, obliques, one of those. all the core yeah. muscles. So he's going to be having one of those surgically repaired, which 
I couldn't fathom would be a fun injury just because like everything from breathing to just talking can be related to that. So it's just like, I actually damaged my external obliques at one point when I was working out a lot before I joined the military and like everything hurts. It's not just like breathing. It's like sitting, standing, laying down, anything (laughs) you have to use your core for. So everything's got to hurt. Yeah. But to add to your injury conversation about Malkin being out week to week, he did also record his 1100th point against the Bruins earlier in the week before that injury. So yeah. he kind of got his ha 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 moment before he got hurt. So Are you saying this was in retaliation? I don't know, hit? possibly. But in turn as well, Tanev came back from his two-game suspension and is now also on the injured list as of yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. So he's day-to-day though, so... We'll see what comes of that. Probably something minor, but... Yeah. At least it's not season-ending. But it wouldn't be a Penguin season if you didn't have a third of your staff... In, or a third of your players injured, not staff. I wouldn't be surprised if that included the staff. staff. Yeah. The way my team is. <laughs> so many, like, games lost to injuries. It's bananas. In other news, you have... Jonas Johansson, who was traded to the Colorado Avalanche by the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday for a sixth round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. It's another team that is being absolutely plagued at the goalie position. Uh, They've gone through three backups this season. That's a lot. They have one of them out currently for the remainder of the season with an injury, and the other one was recently demoted to the AHL based on his performance. Uh, The third backup goalie was really just kind of called up to be there (laughs) to fill the position. He was more or less a taxi guy. He wasn't ever supposed to be on the roster. Yeah. Um, So this, this move is truly just to support Philip Grubauer, who has earned 17 of the team's 18 wins as a starting goalie. So it's like the poor guy has been just being worked to death. Yeah, yeah. So it's more of just to take a little weight off. Johansson's been a mediocre goalie for... I was going to say, he's not a number one goalie. Like, obviously, a sixth-round pick for this guy. Yeah, but still, like... It's better to have someone that can actually start a game when you've won 17 of 18 games as a starting goalie. You need rest if you're going to make a playoff push. So especially as compacted as this season is, it's just like, are we already at the point about talking about playoff pushes? Well, we're already halfway through the season. So yes. Yikes. Yeah. Mm. So it's time. Yay. (laughs) But staying on the subject of goalies, uh, with the victory over the Blackhawks yesterday, Andre uh, Vasilevsky won his 11th straight game this season. Pretty much an untouchable guy in Tampa Bay. I'm not shocked they probably have the best defensive pairings in the NHL. That definitely helps. And their offense is pretty defensive-minded as well. So, again, he can win a lot of games. Go figure. You had the Minnesota Wild defenseman Carson Soucy, who has been suspended for one game without pay for charging Arizona Coyote forward Connor Garland during the game on Tuesday, March 16th. Under the CBA and based on his average annual salary, he will forfeit $23,706.90. Oof. And of course, the money goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund the one thing i think the nhl does right yeah yeah because the funds have to go somewhere it's not just lining the pocket of the nhl i mean that would be really sketchy i, I would not approve of this yeah. so it's a lot better that it goes back to the players 
Yeah. The Canucks picked up Jimmy Vesey off of waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Maple Leafs have one too many forwards and we're like, we're going to waive Jimmy Vesey. And uh, in turn, the Canucks were like, yeah, we'll pay his contract. We'll take him off your hands. That's a good addition for the Canucks. I think it was more of just a move to kind of cover the loss of Tanner Pearson. So it makes sense. The Sabres also this week fired their head coach, Ralph Kruger, and named Don Granado as the interim head coach. He was the fifth head coach fired since 2013 season for the organization. That feels like a lot. Considering your team has had two coaches in that time, my team has had only two coaches in that time. Yeah, it's a lot. For that matter, most NHL teams don't go through head coaches quite like that. And last but not least for my hockey news this week, we have Alexander Ovechkin passing Phil Esposito for six on the all-time goals list. He now has 718 total goals. That was as of my notes last night. They were playing, so who knows? He may have added one more to it, but actively he had 718 goals by passing that record. So It says he has 720 goals. So he had a good game last night, clearly. I just get sick of, like, constantly talking about the same players. Like, they scored goal number 700 and 712. And I get that this is, like, a milestone for him because he's passing someone else on the all-time goal scored list. But stop it. It's annoying. The thing is, though, we only talk about it once they pass, like, the top 10, you know. And, And the amount of players that have played in the NHL, obviously, like, that is a feat to make yeah and there's a lot of conversation on whether he's going to catch the great one and here's the thing in an era where it's not easy to do here's the thing why bother talking about whether or not he's gonna surpass wayne gretzky when who knows how much time he has left like yeah i don't see the point in going he could do a thing okay he hasn't done a thing that's not news Yeah, and I understand that. He's been on this pace, though, where he's doing 35 to 40 goals a season for years now. So, like, that's the reason he's even in the position he's in. You know, I would love to see it happen in my lifetime, I feel like. Because, like, I watched Gretzky play, but I was a kid. I don't really remember watching Gretzky to that level. You know, Ovechkin and Crosby are probably the two players that are most compared to him. Right. Obviously, Crosby being more of a point chaser for like point record not goals necessarily crosby does a lot more on the assist side of things and puck handling and keeping possession ovechkin just kind of waits around till someone feeds him the puck and then shoots it and it goes in usually so like he's a sniper there's no question about what he is he puts the puck into a small place and scores goals but he is a player who i think is a lot like kane in that they rest on their name and they rest on things they've done in the past so they aren't out there chasing the puck or trying to maintain possession as hard, like not fighting for things the way I think you should when you're an athlete. Yeah. Like that's part of the reason I don't like Ovechkin and only a very small portion of why I don't like Kane. I would, but... s- I would say that Kane and Ovechkin, they're getting better at being two-way players. I think when they were in their younger portion of the career, 100%. That's all I did was just kind of sit around and wait. Like Kane this year, I think has improved in his two-way game a little bit, but there are still times where I'm like, dude, why are you just standing around? Whereas I can't say that about Ovechkin this year. The games that I've watched, the highlights that I've watched related with Ovechkin, it seems like he is actively trying to play more of the two-way game just to create opportunities for him to score more goals. So we'll agree to disagree on that one, I guess, a little bit, but... 
My guess. My thing about Kane is that he has to sort of work on becoming more of a two-way player instead of being more selfish. Wholeheartedly agree. Because of the way your team is this year, especially losing Taves. Yeah. So, like, he has no choice. But even then, there was a game last week. He gave up possession of the puck on the power play. And he was just standing there, not even chasing the guy. Yeah. And I, like, I get he's a forward, not a defenseman. But at the same time, like, you gave it up. Might as well chase after the dude. We'll see. And, and like, it brings me back to conversations of seeing players like Marion Hossa, who was one of the best two-way player forwards that has really faced this game over the lifetime of the NHL. And it's just, I don't expect everybody to be a guy like that. But like players like Kubelik, who came into the NHL playing the game like that last season, this year he's very much kind of more like Kane. Like he's creating more opportunities than Kane is because that's just the mentality he is. But even the two-way game has kind of slowed down a little bit for him. And it's like, guys, you you don't understand. You have a bunch of young players. You have to help create opportunities. Like... If you don't, then nothing's going to ever happen. And I think that's the, why we were so successful at the beginning of the season. We were doing things like that. Right. And right now we're not. So go figure. We're losing games. Well, also you're playing Tampa Bay over and over again. So that's and part Tampa of the Bay reason you're Tampa Bay and Florida, the two top teams in the R division. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. But that was a soapbox I didn't mean to go on. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on into the NFL. Oh boy. There were contracts galore and so i kind of stopped at one point and was like that's enough i don't need to keep going i did not stop myself right away so i do have probably a few more than you do but i'm gonna try to stick with the big names in my book anyways okay but before we get into that there were some covid updates sort of into the nfl Basically, the NFL has fined the Raiders $800,000 for violating NFL and NFL Players Association COVID protocols during the 2020 season. Originally, when all of this stuff was happening during the 2020 season, Las Vegas lost their 2026 round draft pick. But it's been reinstated upon appeal. So, like, what was the threat even for? They probably investigated it and then realized that, like, they weren't as responsible for what they thought happened. Because the reason they lost the draft pick was because that media person ended up getting into the locker room somehow. And it's like, I get it, but, like, the organization wasn't the security guard. It wasn't the individual security guard there. That was who screwed up. Like, they let the guy into the locker room and... I get not blaming the whole organization for one guy's screw up, I guess. Here's the thing. You're responsible for what happens at your facility. Oh, yeah. So, like, he should have gotten in trouble, but the whole team should have gotten in trouble, in my opinion. And I don't like the idea that you initiate some sort of punishment or whatever you want to call it and then just go, nope, never mind, taking it back. If you were a parent doing that, you'd have a monster of a child. And the same thing with teams in the NFL. Yeah. Obviously, the Raiders weren't the only team that were punished this week. I'm sure you also have the notes on there about the Saints. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints are forfeiting a 2022 sixth-round pick and have to pay a $700,000 fine as a result of the team's violations of the NFL and NFL Player Association COVID protocols. But they were repeat offenders. It wasn't just the one time. And they had to receive two separate disciplinary actions from the league during the 2020 season. 
Yeah, they uh, made a lot of mistakes related to the protocol and in turn had not the highest COVID numbers amongst teams in the NFL, but they were definitely up in like the top three. The NFL also this week signed a new TV broadcasting deal that will begin in 2023 to the 2033 season. Ten-year contracts, gotta love it. And it doesn't even start for two years. Yeah. The deal was valued at $110 billion across the ten-year period. Yeah. It gives the rights for Thursday night football games exclusively to be broadcast on Amazon Prime. It's going to be the first time that a streaming network will have exclusivity to specialty games. F that. Televised Sunday games will still be broadcast amongst CBS and Fox Sports. ESPN and ABC will also be picking up some of those normal televised Sunday games. ESPN will remain the home of Monday Night Football. That will not change. ABC negotiated for that contract to basically just stay in place. ABC will also pick up two of the Super Bowl games to be broadcast during that period of time as well, which they did not have rights to. Pretty much everybody's contract stays the same except for the Thursday Night Football leaving NBC and going to Amazon Prime. Otherwise, everybody pretty much holds their cards in the same place. Sunday Night Football will still be on NBC and the daily games will be mixed amount across all the different channels. Stupid. $110 billion stupid. Yep. Rich people are pretty stupid. So. Yeah. Jumping into the signings, sadly, this will never end. The Chicago Bears have signed cornerback Desmond Trufant. Trufant? There you go. To a one-year deal. Yes. I didn't even write about that one. As a Bears fan, I hurt on the inside. There was very little about it. Basically, it just said that. Yeah. So I don't know what the amount is. I don't know what's guaranteed and what's not guaranteed. Probably why I didn't write it down. Probably. Then you had Juju Smith-Schuster, who has agreed to a one-year deal to return to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The contract is worth $8 million. He had received better offers from the Ravens and the Chiefs, but decided to stay with the Steelers because he said it's his home. Yeah, he's an idiot. The Steelers don't have a chance of winning a Super Bowl this year, and the Chiefs, based on the way they restructured Mahomes' contract... They were bringing Schuster in to win a Super Bowl this year. The Chiefs have basically re-signed everybody. It's expected that Mahomes will be completely healthy from his surgery for his turf toe that he was dealing with during the Super Bowl that clearly plagued his ability to move around the pocket because he was just getting hit everywhere. See, he should just let someone else throw for the Super Bowl. Yeah, but... It's just one of those situations where it's like, I don't know that that was the wisest decision. Like, I get your home's already there. You probably own a house. Your family's there. You probably don't want to move. But, like, more money to play for a team that can win a championship and get you a bonus for winning a championship. Yeah. Like, I don't know. As a businessman, my brain just goes, what? It's his choice. It is, 100%. The, is it Denver Broncos? Yes. And their safety, Justin Simmons, have agreed to a four-year, $61 million deal with $35 million guaranteed. The deal makes Simmons the highest paid safety in the NFL by a solid margin. And they signed him a pretty good partner out of Chicago. The Bears cut Kyle Fuller this week. The Broncos signed him to a one-year, $9.5 million contract. And I'll be honest, he was the best safety we had in our organization, so... Why'd you get rid of him then? Uh, the monies. We oh. were in a salary cap situation. Couldn't you have gotten rid of a couple of the bad safeties? 
they're younger players, but it's not that they're bad. They just don't have the experience that Kyle Fuller brings to the table. So that that pairing is going to be scary in the backfield. I I really would not want to throw against the Broncos' defense for that reason completely. Yeah. Yeah. The two of them, at one point or another in their careers, have led the NFL in interceptions. So it's going to be a scary pair. And the Browns have signed cornerback Troy Hill to a four-year, $24 million deal. The Giants did some signing as well this week. You had them go after Kenny Galladay, who was the number one rated free agent wide receiver. They signed him to a four-year, $72 million contract. With incentives in the contract, he can reach $76 million, and $40 million of that is guaranteed. Pretty good payday for a wide receiver that played for one of the worst teams in the NFL last season, so not a bad, not a bad move. They also signed number one tight end from the uh, Minnesota Vikings, Kyle Rudolph, to a two-year, $14 million contract. They're basically stacking up all sorts of options for Daniel Jones to throw to. The problem is the Giants needed to stack up their own line to protect Daniel Jones. He's a very good pocket quarterback, but if you don't have a pocket to throw in, what good is it? Hmm. You're going to have all these assets that are available to him, but if he doesn't have the time to throw the ball, what difference does it make? So, I don't know. We'll see how the Giants fare. They're the New York Giants. They're probably going to be trash, but who knows with those offensive powerhouses being added. So Then you have the Raiders, who have signed running back Kenyon Drake to a two-year deal worth up to $14.5 million. I don't know anything about him except he did this. He was the starting running back for the Arizona Cardinals last season. Mm-hmm. So what's weird about that contract more so than anything was that they were already in conversation before he was a free agent, which is technically a no-no. Is it an illegal no-no or just bad form no-no? Uh, a little bit of both. We'll see what the NFL ends up doing. They're, they're investigating it right now. So they're going to see basically if they broke any rules they're not certain yet so because like they can talk to his agent but there's rumors that they were also like courting him like come on you should come over here did they give him flowers i I don't know maybe (laughs) yeah the san francisco 49ers have signed trent williams to a historic six-year 138.06 million dollar deal the contract includes $55.1 million in guaranteed money and a $30.1 million signing bonus. The deal makes him the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Not only in history, so he is nowhere near the nearest offensive lineman. Like, he's about $40 million more contract than any other offensive lineman in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, they're like, we like you so much, we're going to make you the offensive lineman. Is he that good? He's really good. So, But I, is he $138 million good? I feel like this contract is worth a better value than Dak Prescott's contract, I guess, is my stance on that. Like, it's a lot of money. I don't know that it's... Who's Dak Prescott? We talked about him last week, how he is the most guaranteed money player in the NFL, even though he wasn't even a top five quarterback. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. You were probably tuning it out last week. Look, I sit here and I talk to you and then it all goes out of my brain. (laughs) And clearly I'm not winning the war. I'm trying to get you (laughs) educated and happy and excited about sports. I mean, I'm starting to learn what team goes to what city. Does that count? Sure. I knew the Denver Broncos. Aren't you proud? Sure. Okay, we're getting there. Yeah. 
the LA Chargers have agreed to a five-year deal worth $62.5 million with All-Pro center Corey Lindsley. The contract will pay him $26 million over his first two seasons. He becomes the highest paid center in the NFL, edging out Colts center Ryan Kelly. Chargers spending a little bit of money to protect their brand new quarterback. I guess so. $62.5 million is a little bit of money. It's a pretty good chunk. Yeah. Yeah. Considering they were okay with cutting Tyrod Taylor's contract as a backup quarterback to Justin Herbert, who's going to be in his sophomore season this year, you want to put some nice people in front of your young franchise quarterback. Yeah. What other deals do we have going down this week? Uh, I've got a few more. The Bears this week announced that they came to agreement with Allen Robinson on the franchise tag offer. I originally thought that Allen Robinson was going to leave the organization to test the free agency waters. Based on how slow wide receivers were going during free agency, uh, he decided to sign the contract. It's valued at $18 million for the upcoming season, so it's not like he didn't get a good payday. It does force the Bears, however, to try to get an extension done by July 15th deadline. If they do not, they do not have the ability to then talk to him about contracts until the upcoming end of the season. So basically they have to get something signed long-term or they have to wait until the end of next year's season. Okay. The Bears also signed their new quarterback, Andy Dalton, to a one-year $10 million contract. As a Bears fan, I'm a little disappointed because there was a lot of rumors that we were going after Deshaun Watson. After all the stuff that came out about Deshaun Watson, I'm glad that we didn't. We were also the number one contender for Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks were like, no, we still want him as our quarterback. So the last really good free agent quarterback that was available was Andy Dalton. So it just kind of makes sense that he signed with us. We'll see. I'm going to try to stay positive, kind of like our goalie situation. I feel like maybe we'll be okay, but we'll find out. Mm-hmm. And then this week also, the Patriots signed the tight end extraordinaire that played for the Los Angeles Chargers last season to a three-year, $37.5 million contract, that making Hunter Henry the second highest paid tight end in the history of the organization behind Gronkowski. Not a bad payday. Yeah. Yeah. And the last big one I have was for the Bengals. They signed Trey Hendrickson to a four-year, $60 million contract. $32 million of that is guaranteed money. And there were a ton of other deals that happened, but at a certain point, I just went cross-eyed like, nope, that's it for me. I'm not doing any more of that nonsense. Yeah, we'd be here for hours if we were talking about all the signings. Well, it's that time of year, I suppose. And it's the NFL, so like what we would deem as like a big contract in the NHL is literally every contract in the NFL. Right, yeah. I I don't think I found a single contract under $6 million that was signed this week. So, you know, even with just one year term. And, like, that's part of my problem because I know NHL numbers. So, like, looking at all these contracts, I'm like, oh, this guy with a one-year six million, like, that's obviously a very high contract. He must be a great player. And I'll put it in my notes and you're like, I don't know that guy. That's a no one. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, for me, I would think that'd be, like, a hot commodity, but apparently not. Not by NFL standards at all. But the last thing I have for the NFL news is the New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees announced retirement after a 20-year career. Yeah. 
We talked about that a little bit in last week's episode, but he basically said he was happy with his career. He knows that the organization has two good starting capable quarterbacks, so he's not leaving the team short-staffed by any means. And, and he's right. The two quarterbacks that are there could be starting quarterbacks for any team in the NFL. So it's just like, you've had a good run, man. Yeah. I'm just kind of wondering what house he's going to retire to because he has a home in San Diego that's worth a couple million dollars. He has a home in Louisiana that also is worth a couple million dollars. So it's like, where do you choose retirement? Well, during hurricane season, you stay in San San Diego. And when it's not, you stay in Louisiana. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You just have to make sure someone's there to check on your house. It's true. I guess really the last thing to say for the NFL for me is a lot of stuff is coming out about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And I could go through it and tell you everything I read because I read all three articles that were on the NFL website at the time about what's been going on over the past week. But basically there are allegations of sexual harassment and assault from him towards masseuses that he would hire and... It's at this point reached double digits of women coming out and... Oh, last I read it was only four, so that's escalated quickly. Yeah, there was an additional, I think, seven that came out through the lawyer who's handling all these cases against him. And I don't want to get into it because, you know, he's of course saying he's innocent. These women just want money and like just saying that much really upsets me and like I don't want to go there Especially when, you know, every week we're talking about athletes and like, what do you want to call it? Their misconduct, their bad behavior towards women, whether it be like sending photos you're not supposed to be sending to women unsolicited and just harassment and assault. And like, at this point, I don't trust any athlete to behave like a moral human being anymore. And I'm so like sick of talking about it. Yeah, originally, obviously, the first accusation came out last week. It hit the news last week, I should say, but she was trying to settle outside of court originally for $800,000 worth of damages. And he was basically like, if she really wanted to prosecute me, she'd take me to court. And having your perspective on things, I just, I'm like, maybe she just couldn't face you, you jerk. Like, you know, so I obviously am a supporter of court system. I just think it's broken. Yeah. When it comes to these types of cases, I, I try to stay neutral on these subjects just because that's really the only thing you can do until things come out. But the problem is so many times these are handled outside the court. Like Ben Rosselberger is a known philanderer and causing problems and things like that. But he's never even had a hiccup in his career due to it. I think he missed like one game due to a court case that ended up being settled for like $2 million. So it's just like they're going to get away with it. And it's irritating. Here's the thing. Because of my past and the whole reason I have PTSD, I believe women until the evidence comes out and proves that I shouldn't. So until that point in time, I will believe these women. Agreed. And that's just how it's going to be. But at the same time, like, guys get away with so much crap. And, like, particularly athletes because they have money. They have people on their side. They have a whole support system. So, like, I just, I have so many emotions and there's so much I want to say. But basically, there's a case going up against him. There's 10 plaintiffs at this point. There might be more. He says he's innocent they all say they're innocent and uh we'll see what happens yeah 
moving on to the world of baseball. Uh, hard to move away from that topic. Yeah. I only have two things for baseball, and part of that's because their website kept crashing on me, and part of that's because I stopped caring. Well, it's also spring training, so there's really not much going on in the world of baseball. Like, it's a bunch of scrimmages, and they don't mean anything. Right, yeah. So, on top of that, a lot of, like, the big-name players are barely even playing right now. Like, at this point, it's it's the guys that are trying to make the last three or four spots on a roster that are really, like, playing their hearts out right now. Right. Otherwise, everybody's pretty much already in check their boxes to the organization for the year, so. But I had two injuries. Okay. The first being Nationals right-handed reliever Will Harris, who was diagnosed with a blood clot in his right arm, his throwing arm, apparently. And so he'll be traveling to St. Louis at some point to meet with a specialist. There's no current appointment or anything like that, so who knows how long it'll take to get in. And then you had Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco, yeah. Who tore his right hamstring while running sprints on the field. He is expected to miss six to eight weeks. Also a pitcher, which is weird that he was doing conditioning drills. I thought it was so strange. I'm like, don't get me wrong. Pitchers need to warm up their hamstrings too. But like, I I, I like jog. That's all it takes. (laughs) I guess. Those were the only injuries I had as well. But going over to the COVID world of news for the spring training this week, only one player tested positive for COVID-19 in the past week, which considering how many players go to spring training, pretty impressive. Yeah. The MLB processed 14,845 tests during the week, which gives them a positive rate of 0.007%. One person. That's pretty good. Yeah. Also this week, Indians owner announced that he is still working on a name change for the organization. He's not sure that it will be taken care of, though, until at least the beginning of the 2022 season. He doesn't want to be like the Cleveland baseball team situation, kind of like the Washington football team. Yeah. He wants to do it right. So he's still working on it. He goes, that has not slowed down, guys. Like, we're just trying to rebrand, and that's not an easy process for a major league organization. But he goes, don't give up hope. It's happening. Please don't get mad that our name is still our name. Like, it will only hopefully be one more year, which I think is a fair ask. I get it, like, get rid of the name for what it is, but at the same time, it's just like, it's it's going. It's going forward, and that's the important part about it. I don't know if you can agree with that or not, but... I mean, I think it's appropriate to say that they're still working on it, not that, you know, it's just a shout into the void Yeah. at this point. It wasn't just like a press release thing to get good press. Uh, also this week, LeBron James becomes part owner of the Boston Red Sox, which is weird to an extent. Like he's come out being a Cleveland kid from Ohio as an Indians fan. But yeah, he's going to be a part owner in the Red Sox organization. But that's literally all the baseball news I have. That's good. Keep it light and easy for you this week because that was pretty much all I could find. I like it when baseball news is light. It'll be picking up here pretty soon because obviously the season starts on April 1st. So Why do you have to ruin my perfectly good MLB moment? (laughs) Still two weeks away. So For the NBA, I only had one injury and it was Jared Dudley. Sounds like a fake name, but okay. Of the LA Lakers, who has been diagnosed with a right MCL tear. They are currently evaluating his treatment options, and there is no current timeline for his return. It'll be a while. 
the Lakers' news when it comes to injury only seems to be getting worse. So they're already down Anthony Davis, who's one of their starting players. Dudley is also one of their starting five. And then as of yesterday, LeBron James is out with a high ankle sprain. Indefinitely is what they're saying right now. They're not giving day-to-day or week-to-week or anything related to that. It's going to be at least a couple weeks, so that's probably why they're not saying week-to-week. But Yeah, he... Uh has only missed ever five games maximum in a period of time. That's about to double. But because of the compressed schedule, odds are he's going to miss at least nine to ten games is what they're estimating right now. So it's going to be interesting. The Lakers are down three of their five starters. That's why you need depth. They got their butts handed to them last night after LeBron left the game injured by the team they were playing. Yes. That the team one guy. No, it was Steph Curry and uh, the Golden State Warriors. That's who okay. it was. I just had to connect the dots in my brain, it seemed. It's it's gonna be a weird time for the Lakers, I have a feeling. Unless somebody else steps up. You had the LA Clippers forward Paul George. Also sounds fake. Uh, this this one bothers me because your grandmother is a diehard Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Yes. And he played for the Oklahoma City Thunder for a majority of his career. I I don't know why this bothers you so much, but he has been fined $35,000 for public criticism of the officiating. He made comments to the media following the Clippers' 105-89 loss to the Dallas Mavericks on March 17th. Yeah. I guess when you lose, you blame the officiating. This week, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves becomes the third youngest player to score a 40-plus point game in NBA history. Kudos to him. Weird stat to keep track of, but all right. The only other two players that bested him in age were Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Probably not a bad group to be a part of. Yeah. The two head coaches of the All-Star game this year. Maybe they, you know, know something about basketball. Also this week, the Rockets traded away P.J. Tucker to the Bucks. It just seems like Houston sports teams are just being plagued with players that don't want to be there. P.J. Tucker came out and was like, I'd like a trade. And they worked on it for a few weeks and made it happen. I think it's going to be a good addition for the Milwaukee Bucks. They needed another offensive player, and I think P.J. Tucker is going to fit right into that role. So good trade for the Bucks. Maybe not so much for Houston. You had the Phoenix Suns acquire forward Torrey Craig from the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for cash considerations. No amounts were listed. Probably part of the move for P.J. Tucker, I would imagine. Just cash money. To pay him. (laughs) And the National Basketball Association announced on March 15th the results of a joint investigation with independent outside counsel to the Utah Jazz into an allegation made by former Jazz player Elijah Millsap on February 24th, 2021, that team executive VP of basketball operations Dennis Lindsay made an inappropriate statement six years ago during his April 2015 exit interview. The investigation was unable to establish that the alleged statement was made, probably because it happened six years ago, and who the F knows. As soon as that statement came out, the Utah Jazz fired him. So it's not like they kind of waited for the NBA to do their investigation. They were like, if this is even kind of true, see you later, dude. Like, so. Yeah. It was handled appropriately by the organization. 
But just because you couldn't find anything doesn't mean it didn't happen. That was a long time ago. So. Six years ago, find a witness to a single conversation that happened. It's like... Well, and they talked about the evidence that they brought up and it was like, they checked the interview paperwork. I'm like, why would he put that comment in on paperwork? On the paperwork, yeah. That they would want never that on file happen. Forever. Well, yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, also this week, the NBA NBA Players Association agreed to ease restrictions for vaccinated players, basically allowing them to do more things outside of the sports organization. So. Why don't you wait till everyone's vaccinated? Right. The restrictions basically ease for players that have also had their families completely vaccinated. So, like, if their family's vaccinated, they can go out to dinner, you know, in outdoor seating, like, scene instead of indoor restaurants. And, like, the list was, like, ridiculously long. But the main one being is that they're going to be able to have maskless meetings with people that have been vaccinated already. So, like, if other players have been vaccinated, they don't, they can actually sit in a room together again instead of being, like, Zoom calls for all the meetings. Now, what about the making out in the locker rooms? Can they do that again? That has not been updated yet. I know you're (laughs) looking forward to it, but it has not happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all the NBA news I have. I, kept I have other things that you don't have. So. Perfect. We'll continue. Karis Lever has returned to basketball only seven weeks after being diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. In the game against the Phoenix Suns, he put up 13 points and seven rebounds, playing 27 minutes in the Pacers' 122-111 win. That was hard to say. 122-2. 2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2
who has verbally agreed to join Inter Miami at the end of the season. He is expected to sign a two and a half year deal. I don't know why it's two and a half, but whatever. It's because the MLS schedule is broken. And he will move to the U.S. once his contract expires at West Bromwich Albion this summer. Mm-hmm. Bromwich? Bromwich? That place? Yeah. And that's all the MLS news I have. Which isn't really news because nothing's technically happened at this point. But it yeah. will be happening. We'll get into real soccer news. We'll start with the Bundesliga. Uh, there was a big feat this week by Bayern Munich star Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski. He is very quickly approaching the single-season goal record held by Gerd Moller. Uh, he's held it since the 80s, so it's not like it's something that has been really thought about being beaten for a long, 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 long time. But we'll stay on the subject of his goals that are getting him within this range. Yesterday's game, Bayern Munich won 4-0. to zero. They had a hat trick for Robert Lewandowski, which brings his season total to 35 goals. The record currently by Gerd Muller is being held by 40 total goals, so he has to get to 41 to break the record. For your How sake and mine. How many games are left? And that is what is exciting because it really gives him a possibility. There are eight games left in the season. So he doesn't even have to score in every game technically to make it. No, but you want to load up front just so you know you're going to get it. But there was no conversation about it until he had the hat trick yesterday because it was like it would have been more than a goal a game, which is probably not going to be the case. So it puts him within that striking range of feasibility. It's exciting. There's a chance. What's crazier about yesterday's game was that in the 12th minute, Alfonso Davies took a red card, so we were playing down a man and still won 4-0, to zero, So, which is exciting. The standings, though, currently in the Bundesliga, we have Bayern Munich in first place with 61 points. They've won four of their last five. Red Bull Leipzig in second place with 57 points. They have won four of their last five and drawn the fifth game. VFL Wolfsburg in third place with 51 points. They've won four of their last five. It's kind of a trend if you haven't noticed. On track Frankfurt, they are in fourth place with 47 points. They've won two of their last five, drawn two, and lost one. They're not doing anything that exciting. Dortmund has continued to hold off that fifth spot for a Champions League play-in opportunity. They have 43 points and they've won three of their last five, lost one, and drawn one. The concern you really have is that you have two other teams only four points behind you guys, Mm -hmm. like within that range. So with eight games, still a lot of time for you guys either to climb or for you know, people to catch up. Yeah. So hopefully not the latter in that instance. But this is the one I know you enjoy because I am nowhere near the top of the table with my team. In fairness, I'm not clout chasing by any means by picking Manchester United either, but... Here's the thing. First of all, I'm not. You're rude. <laughs> Second of all, I don't enjoy that your team's low on the table. Yeah. I feel very bad for you. I hope you don't get relegated. But at the same time, you keep saying stuff like what you just said, and I might get happy about them getting relegated. So at this point, Manchester City's pretty much going to close up the season. They have a pretty large gap on the rest of the table. They have 71 points. They've won four of their last five games. Manchester United, currently sitting in second place with 57 points, have won three of their last five and drawn two of them. Leicester City in third with 56 points. They have won three of their last five games, drawn one, lost one. 
Chelsea sitting in fourth. They have won two of their last five and drawn three of their last five with those 51 points. West Ham currently sitting in fifth with 49 points. Theirs is two wins, two losses, and a draw in their last five. You have Liverpool with 46 points sitting on the cusp of a Champions League playoff opportunity. But then you have my team, Newcastle United, still holding on to that 17th spot, one above relegation, with 28 points. (laughs) Do we also have eight games left in this league? I don't know the exact number of games because I believe the Premier League started earlier than the Bundesliga did this past season. Okay. So I would imagine it's less. There's nine games left for Newcastle anyways. But we had some games that were delayed, so there's oh, okay. a chance that, you know, we have to play you out a few of those. could lose it all. Well, we have a game in hand on everybody below us, so that is the one saving grace. As long as we can win one of those games and stay relatively equal to everyone, we should be A-OK. Goodness. <laughs> but I think that pretty much wraps up the week's sports news. Which is great. Yeah. Because I don't want to talk sports anymore. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Make sure you guys check out all of our social media, which should be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you on Thursday for our book episode, which I know Liberty is over the moon about talking about because i just finished the hunger games trilogy yes but we thank you guys for listening we'll catch you next time bye